Could we stand together and open in prayer? Lord, I thank you so much for your presence here today. Lord, all I'm asking is that you would show us your heart for personal devotion. Lord, show us, give us a glimpse of what you see in this time that you want to spend with each of us. Open our eyes, God. We love you and we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. So this morning I'm preaching on... uh, the urgency and ease of personal devotions. I I came across a quote recently. It's become one of my favorite quotes. It's this. It is almost impossible to overestimate the unimportance of most things. It is almost impossible to overestimate the unimportance of most things. The other way to say it is this, the way Jesus said it. There are few things necessary, really only one. Mary has chosen the good part. Personal devotions. This is one of the, if not the, important thing in the Christian life. So I want to talk about first devotions in the New Covenant. Um, Matthew chapter 11, this is actually the only time we'll go into the, that I will have you turn somewhere. Matthew 11, 11 and 12. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. So here's here's what we have here. In the Old Covenant, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. He is the greatest person in the Old Covenant. He is walking it the best, the closest. John the Baptist is awesome. There's never been anyone born of woman that's doing the Old Testament better than John the Baptist. Okay? And then he says this, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. The least. God is about to change covenants. And in this new covenant, if if people will only believe it, there is privilege and access to God that is way greater than anything that was available. It was simply unavailable in the old covenant. In the old agreement, you couldn't get there. The least person that is born into the kingdom of God is greater in access and privilege than John the Baptist ever was. So I want you to think with me for a moment of 
hotel rooms, adjoining hotel rooms. In one room, you have got the kingdom of God. You've got all of the resources of heaven, all of the glory of God and God's presence and, and who he is. And then you've got a door on that side. And then you've got man's door. Mankind is over here. And this is mankind and all of his sin and, and spiritual poverty. And, and you've got man's door and you've got God's door. So are, you got the picture. We've got a, a adjoining hotel rooms. God's here. Man is here. Okay. So here's John the Baptist. Through just sheer spiritual hunger for God. He and those with him have opened up man's door. They are pounding on God's door. They are, one of the adjoining doors is open and they're pounding on God's door. They're, they're with violence saying, open up, open up. The Bible says what happened on the cross is something absolutely stunning. Matthew 27, 51, that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The, the door of heaven was opened. He, oh, he has opened a door that no man could shut. That, that John looked up in Revelation 4.1 and he saw a door open in heaven. There is a door open in heaven. Heaven's door is open. This is what the new covenant does. Point two, the urgency of personal devotions. We have a tragic picture in Revelation 3.20. It's just the opposite of Matthew 11, 11 and 12. In Matthew 11, 11 and 12, we have got man knocking on God's door that's closed. Now God's door is open and we've got Jesus knocking on man's door. And man is on the hotel room bed, resting watching TV, doing whatever he's doing, and Jesus is actually knocking on man's door and says, he says, wake up. I've got everything you need. And he says these words, buy from me. And then he's got a list that we'll talk about in a second, but Everything God has is free. Jesus died for it all. Why buy from me? There is a price to get up to that door. There is a price to shake off the complacency, the passivity of culture, not just American culture, Christian culture. That's just, just complacent. Jesus did it all. It's all grace. Buy from me. He says, I've got everything. Buy from me. It reminds us, of course, of the words in Matthew 25, specifically in the context of the end times, where they're coming to the, the virgins who started out good, who started out uh, with oil in their lamps, that, that, that they, they, they presumed that what they had at the beginning would carry them and that, that this thing is, is enough. And they fell asleep. The Bible says everybody falls asleep. No problem. Everybody falls asleep spiritually at some point. Wake up! The bridegroom's coming. Wake up! 
And those that, that didn't bring oil and, and, and weren't still trimming their lamps are called the foolish virgins. And they come to the other ones and say, you need to lend us some. And they explain it this way. It's not how it works. You cannot get the oil of intimacy from a, a, a neighbor. You have to go to the dealer. You, you, you've, got, you've got to go to the dealer to buy oil. You can't borrow this from somebody else. You've got to have your own relationship. You've got to have your own oil. You've got to trim your own wick. The urgency of personal devotions. Here's what Jesus says. He's died on the cross. He's opened heaven's door. He's knocking on man's door. And he says this. If you just, if you just exercise a little effort, I've got gold for you refined by the fire. Here's the, here's the amazing thing. We've called this week altered and, and we've used uh, the fire will never go out on the altar. Guys, we don't have to produce fire in this thing. Jesus has fire for all of us. When the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says a tongue of fire rested on every head. There were 120 there. It, this is stunning. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's a fire for you. We would expect uh, that the fire would come. The fire would come and A, either be just this general fire. God, you're amazing. And this is just, or we would expect the fire to come on Peter. Or maybe on the 12. But there's a tongue of fire that rests on everybody. God has a fire for you. God has a fire of intimacy. You do not have to produce this. In fact, when we try to produce our own fire through human enthusiasm and momentum and manipulation, it's a disaster. It produces every wrong thing. Jesus came to baptize us, to immerse us with the Holy Spirit and fire. All we need to do is bring our cold, dead hearts into his presence. Jesus, you have fire for me. He didn't, all he said when you recognize complacency and apathy is he just said repent. And he said, actually, be zealous. Get excited about repenting. I've got everything. I died to give you fire. He says, I have got white garments to remove your shame. He is not talking about here of salvation so that you would go to heaven someday. He's talking about identity now. You, you and I do not need to live in our identity hiding from God. We don't need to live hiding from people. He, he has died to put this white garment on us that we can live in the glory of God. We don't have to be hiding in the bush. We don't have to make fig leaves for ourselves. We don't need to pretend and put on. He died to remove shame from our identity. He says, I have ISAF. I want to put my ISAF on you. I died to put ISAF on you. This is available. I want to put it on your eyes. Then you'll see what I see. You, you, you can see the Father the way I see the Father. You, you can see your own life the way I see your life. You can see your ministry the way I see your ministry. You can see what darkness is trying to do. You can see clearly the lies that people are believing. You, I've got myself. I died so that you could have it. 
Just exercise a little urgency. Reject passivity. Stir yourself up. Wake yourself up and come. I've got, I died to have everything and give it to you. Point three, the ease of personal devotions. We don't seek God the way John the Baptist did. We don't seek God in the Old Testament way. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 3.15. It says uh, that when Moses is read, a veil still remains over their heart. But if anyone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We are now, with unveiled faces, being transformed from glory to glory. Did you know that you can read the New Testament as if it's Moses? As if it's about performance? Moses is the performance identity. Moses is as if Jesus didn't die and we're still doing this on our own. And when you read the, old, the, the, the Gospels and the letters as if it's still Moses, it's still all about man's effort, you're going to have a veil where God's going to seem far away. We, we have developed all kinds of <laughs> rhetoric, in, in, especially in revival culture places of we need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. This is a hard place. We, we need a breakthrough from God. Guys, you don't need a breakthrough. Jesus already made the breakthrough. There is an open heaven over you. The only way there isn't is if the enemy can get you to believe that there isn't. So this happened Friday night. We are, uh, we're, we've got a region-wide worship meeting. And uh, we're singing, let it rain. Let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain. But it's really irritating this night. Because the worship leader is singing the wrong words. While we're singing, open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain. She is singing, the floodgates of heaven are open, let it rain. Floodgates of heaven are open, let it rain. And we're doing this, and I'm, I'm irritated that she's got different words, and the words up on the screen are the right words, and she's singing the wrong words. And then it strikes me, oh my. She's singing the right words. I'm very, very familiar with the open the floodgates theology. I operated under, under it for many years. Where... Uh, God wants there to be a revival, um, but the church uh, isn't doing enough. If the, if the church was praying harder, there would be a revival. If the church was repenting more, there would be a revival. If the church was more desperate, if they had more spiritual hunger, if the, if the church was doing more, there would be a re- God wants there to be a revival. He wants to open the floodgates of heaven, but he can't because the church hasn't met his conditions. I'm very, very familiar with that theology. I lived under it for a long time. Here's the problem with that theology. What it leads to is a very heavy Christianity. You're, You're angry at yourself. You're angry at the church. 
and it produces, uh, uh, we need to try harder. We need to try harder. And if we were just trying harder, if people would try harder, we would have the breakthrough and all the problems of America and the world would all be solved if the church was trying harder. And so your, your, your whole preaching, your whole, your whole ministry is one of this heavy burden that you're carrying that you're trying to get other people to carry too. You're in bondage, now you want them to share your bondage. So here's what happened to me. For years, I'm knocking on this door. I'm knocking, come on God, come on God. I'm trying to get other people. Knock! If we got more people knocking, we would have a revival. And what I realized, this is just in the last few years, the door I was knocking on was not God's door. It was man's door. I was knocking on man's door. And it turns out that there's a key to open man's door. It's called childlike faith. If somebody will just believe the gospel, believe what Jesus really did, there's a, there's a key that opens this thing. Guys, the floodgates of heaven are open. It is the express purpose of God to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. You don't have to get Him to do that. He wants to do that. Now, in God's economy, He will be valued. He will be desired. We know from Revelation 3, if you can do church without His presence, you will. <laughs> he will let you do things without Him. He will not push Himself. His, the greatest commodity of God is His own presence. So we do need to say, let it rain, let it rain. We do need to value the presence of God. We do need to seek the presence of God. But not to open the floodgates of heaven. But because the floodgates of heaven are already open. We, we in our personal devotions, the ease of personal devotions is because of what Jesus Christ has done. I can come and put that key in and open up and come right into the throne of God with confidence. And, and find that it's a throne of grace. We've got so many Christians that think that what God's thinking about America is he's just about to judge this place. He's just about to end it. He's, he's, he's angry at all that's in America. Guys, that's what the older brother thought. Our older brother, Jesus, he left heaven to come and seek the lost. He came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. There's a time Jesus is coming back to judge. Absolutely. We're not in that time right now. We're still in the favorable year of the Lord. We, while it's still daytime, while it's still the day of mercy, we must do the works of him who sent me. There is a night coming. There is a judgment coming. But we're not in that time yet. I think Christians get bored because they're not... Receiving the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, empowered, and, and being witnesses, they get bored. And so we get into all these conspiracy theories about the Antichrist and about, you know, we, we, we question everything and God's judging everything. No, that's not what God's doing. God's wanting to pour out His Spirit and save people right now. That's what He's thinking about right now. <clears throat> so the New Testament...
the ease of personal devotions, your main word is not um, it's not that you have to do something, you need to allow something. When you come to personal devotions, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you. This is John 15, 11. So that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. I want, I want to give you my joy. I, I died to put my joy in you. Folks, joy is necessary equipment in the New Testament. It is our strength. He said, he said don't let, don't allow your heart to be fearful and don't allow it to be troubled because I've, I've got peace that I want to give you. The very peace, my peace, the peace that calms waters, the peace that calms every storm. I died. The chastisement that was upon him obtained shalom for us. This is, this is part of our inheritance. Allow the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts. We're not trying to pull something out of heaven. We're going in with confidence in personal devotions and being with the King of Kings who has given us great privilege, great access. The new covenant is stunning if we would only believe it. <clears throat> heaven opened the Holy Spirit descended and God spoke these words over Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't even started his ministry yet. No ministry. God is well pleased. This is his Son. Now watch this. Immediately, Jesus goes to the wilderness and two of the three temptations start with this. If you are the Son of God, prove it. God has just told him, you are my son, and, and, and you am well pleased, and two of the three devotions. And it says that Jesus is tempted like we are. We need to learn from this. Two-thirds of the temptations are not pictures of dirty women or, or lust or some. It, it's, it's insecurity. I want you to operate out of insecurity. I want you to prove that you're a favored son. I want you to live to be a favored son instead of living from favored son status. And when we do this in ministry, when we give in to insecurity and we're always trying to prove, we're proving, we're proving, we're proving, what it does is it produces insecurity in our people. Everybody's got to prove it. No, the gospel adopts us as favored sons and daughters. So that we no longer are slaves to fear. But we have a cry in our heart, Abba, Father. This is the glory of the new covenant. That we come not to try to be favored sons and daughters, but we live from it. So I will end with this and then we'll pray. Urgency and ease. Two scriptures that are, that are my scriptures for this year. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Jesus is our Sabbath. In the Old Testament, they rested on a day which was a picture of Christ. He is. We rest in the New Testament, not on a day. We rest in a person. God, he sanctified and blessed the Sabbath day. That's the only day that was sanctified and blessed. All the other days were creation. He sanctified it and he blessed it. 
This is a picture of Christ. God's rest is available in Christ. There is a Sabbath rest for you. Now listen to this. Be diligent. Be diligent. Reject passivity. Wake up. Be diligent to enter that rest. Lest you fall in the same example of unbelief. God wants us to live from his Sabbath rest. This is all about the ease of heaven. They asked John Wimber. John Wimber moved and flowed in the Holy Spirit and in the word of knowledge and, and in the miraculous. And, and somebody asked him, what do you do? How, how do you do? He said, the, the key is this. When you're doing ministry, don't dial up to do ministry. Dial down. Don't, don't try too hard. But is there any one thing? He said, okay. He said, there is one thing I do before I, ever I preach. I always have a Diet Coke. Anyway, that, he did say it. He was a very funny man, too. Anyway, um, be diligent. Think, think of it as your personal devotions is, I'm, I'm, I'm putting gas in the tank. Yeah, I, it takes effort to pull over and stop because I could be driving. I could be going somewhere, but I'm stopping because I recognize I need gas. But, but, I'm getting gas so that I can drive all day long. Our ministry is to be from this place of Sabbath rest, of God's delight in us, God's favor in us, God's filling in us, and now we're driving around all day long. And we're ministering from this amazing place of favored child status. Second scriptures, Proverbs 1, 32 and 33. It says this. The complacency of fools destroys them. Even though Jesus died, complacency will destroy you. Apathy will... Well, I'm in ministry. It doesn't matter. You're probably, we're probably more vulnerable in ministry. Because we think we're having personal devotions because we prepare sermons to talk about God all the time. Trust me, those are two different things. It, the sooner we learn, there's no fire in ministry, the, the better. Fire is in Christ, not in ministry. Joy is in Christ, not in ministry. You can't get out of something that which God hasn't put in it. I'm not saying that there isn't some joy and excitement when you see, when you and Jesus together, really ministry is having a front row seat to what Jesus is doing. You don't have to be that good at your job. Host his presence, and God's really good at his job. You just allow him to be God. Jesus always has a solution for every ministry situation. Just host his presence. Make that your business. And then, you know, God, God will help us. We try to be proficient. We try to do stuff, but he's, his grace is greater. The complacency of fools destroy them. But listen to this. But he who listens to me will be at ease and will have no fear of harm. <laughs> if we will point our lives, not at ministry, but at just sitting at his feet, listening to him. Jesus said, this is the one thing that's necessary. You get close to me, you abide in me, let my word abide in you, you will bear much fruit. <laughs> that, that's going to happen. Obedience is a, is a gift that comes from intimacy. So here's my three, uh, the three things that I felt like God gave me at the beginning of this, this year, specifically for me. I want you to do less and accomplish more. 
I want you to speak less and say more. I want you to rationalize less and risk more. That's, that's, that's where I'm heading. And, and I'm inviting you guys to join me. Would you, could we stand and we'll pray? Can you read that, please? Oh, okay. <laughs> Three things. I want you to do less and accomplish more. Huh? It just means God's going to do more through us. The grace, God is more generous than we could ever imagine. Folks, since I got a hold of this and saw that I was not going to, I've seen more divine healing in the last two years, I would say a hundred times than the rest of my years combined. This is not as hard as we've made it. Jesus actually wants to heal people. And, and, and you, don't pr- you don't, okay, that's another sermon. All right. Do less and accomplish more. Speak less and say more. Rationalize less and risk more. Could we stand together? Lord, I, I don't know exactly what we were supposed to do in this morning session, but I know this. I am very, very jealous for personal devotion with you. You are a, you are a jealous God. Well, I, I love the one translation it, 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 where it says his name is jealous and he's a jealous God. Here's how they translate it. The Lord your God is passionate about his relationship with you. Lord, however we feel, you are passionate. Not about our ministry, but about our relationship with you. You are a fire. And so, Father, we just, uh, we just thank you today that the floodgates of heaven are open. We thank you, God, that we come not in this desperate place as if there's no food and water. We, we do come with hunger, but we come as favored sons and daughters that know there's food at your table. There is a river of delight, and it's, it's easy to drink at your river, and it's easy to eat the food at your table because you've done everything, Jesus, for us on the cross. Lord, I I thank you for, I believe you put ISAF on my heart to see that I was knocking on a door that I thought was God's door, and it was man's door. And then you showed me there was a key in my hand called childlike faith, and that I didn't have to knock at that door the way John the Baptist did, and just let us in, let us in, let us in, that, that you've given us a key. So God, Paul said that he was fearful for the Corinthians that as the serpent deceived Eve, so we be led astray from simple devotion to Christ. So Lord, wherever we have been led astray, wherever our life and our ministry and our responsibilities have become heavy, we just acknowledge that somehow, somewhere, we don't maybe not know where, we're deceived because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. The government is on your shoulders, not on ours. You said the increase of your government and of your shalom would increase, and you did not leave it to human energy. You said the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. My own zeal for my son will accomplish this. I I did not put this thing on human enthusiasm and human zeal and human planning meetings. 
with my own zeal, I will accomplish this. There's going to be an increase in the government of God and in the shalom of God. And so, God, would you increase the shalom over each person in this place right now? Would you increase this status in our identity of favored sons and daughters? Lord, we reject complacency, and equally, we, we, we choose to reject striving. We reject striving, and we reject complacency, and we embrace Jesus. God, have your way in us, we pray. Amen.